Welcome to the From the Flats podcast, brought to you by AT&T, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Hear from the experts, including media covering upcoming opponents in the ACC, former Georgia Tech letter winners, and the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network crew. Now, here's your host, Wiley Ballard. And welcome inside the From the Flats podcast. I'm your host, Wiley Ballard. I'm thrilled to debut this additional program. We've got revved up for the 2018 season and beyond. We'll have this every week leading up to game day. And whether you've been following the Yellow Jackets since Bobby Dodd was roaming the sidelines, or you're just a young alum just having graduated, wanting to stay connected to the Institute, or if you're a newcomer and this is going to be your first season following the Yellow Jackets, we're happy to have you on board. And let's kick this thing off. And we knew uh, for our first episode here on From the Flats, we had to get a big name. And when it comes to the Georgia Tech community and the fan base, it's hard to think of many men and former letter winners who have a fonder space uh, in the heart of Yellow Jacket Nation and that, than this Georgia Tech alum. And now he works as an ESPN sideline reporter for their college football coverage. And Roddy Jones joins the program. Roddy, it's kind of hard to believe that seven years ago uh, you were lining up for a one more season on the flats and getting ready for week one. And a lot's changed since then, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has. And when you said that, you know, you had to get a big name for this podcast, uh, I kind of thought that you called the wrong guy for a second there. You know? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. No doubt. We're happy to have you. No, I'm excited to be on, Wiley. Thanks for having me. Well, with that, let's go and jump into Georgia Tech and, and how you kind of view them this year. Obviously, you paid close attention last year, the 2017 season. I know a lot of the conversation was, you know, a play here, a play there. But what was your biggest takeaway from 2017 for Georgia Tech? Yeah, I, I think 2017 shows you not only just how good the league is, but but college football in general. You know, it's a, it's a one possession here, one possession there type game. You look at what Georgia Tech did last year. You can legitimately change the uh, change the outcome of three or four plays, and maybe have three or four additional wins on the schedule. So uh, it's it's I think Tech fans should be excited about uh, about the season, and and I look at Tech to contend in the ACC Coastal. One of the, the themes entering uh, this preseason camp and now approaching uh, Saturday, the season opener, has been the idea of finishing and, and trying to instill that mentality uh, within the locker room. Is that something you can, you can instill like that, or does it have to kind of grow organically, or is it more a reaction to what happens in those first couple of games? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, the, the fact that it'll probably be preached internally um, amongst the players as much as, as, uh, as the coaches talking to the players as well, I think that's what's going to help um, and, and the experience. And, and there's a ton of it on this tech team. Especially on the offensive side of the ball, you've got Taquan Marshall returning starter, the offensive line, uh, a lot of names back. The A-backs are experienced. Gervonta Benson returning the B-back spot along with Jerry Howard. What do you expect to see from Taquan Marshall, though, in, in his second year as the starter? Well, I would expect Taquan to take a step forward, uh, particularly in the passing game. I thought in the running game, he was explosive. He was dynamic. Uh, maybe the most explosive consistently that coaches had. Uh, I guess the 2014 season with Justin um, is the only one that I can think of where you had a quarterback that that had the speed and the ability to take it the distance every time he touched the ball. Um, you know, you look at the other quarterbacks that Coach Johnson's had, and they were just different skill sets. So, so I think you certainly saw the explosiveness. Uh, I've I've seen Taquan say, and coaches said that that the passing game is what they need to be better in. And, and you know, he doesn't have to be a 60% passer. But in those passing situations, you've got to be able to complete them and you've got to be able to hit them for big plays. And Taquan's got more than enough talent to be able to, to really uh, to, to impact every single game. And, 
And uh, if he has the type season that I think he could have, then he could be in the running for, for player of the year in the conference. Let's flip to the other side of the ball, and obviously a new defensive coordinator, Nate Woody, coming from App State. He'll be installing the 3-4 the this year, also with a secondary that's going to be a little green as far as experience goes. Linebacker's very experienced, D-line as well. Do you get the impression that the type of defense Nate Woody likes to run, fast-paced, aggressive, is almost a, a good complement to, to what Paul Johnson likes to do, which is to hang on to the football? I think that's a lot of the conversation uh, since uh, Coach Woody was hired earlier this year. Yeah, I, I think I think the best thing that you can have is a marriage of an offensive and defensive philosophy. And when you have a team that's going to be a ball control team uh, because of the amount that they run the ball, which Tech is going to be, and they have been since Coach Johnson got here, uh, the worst thing that you can do is let the other opposing team have the ball for forever because you're basically uh, – it limits the possessions, obviously, and it, and it kind of – I don't want to say chokes the life out of your offense, but, but it, it – it, it makes the game too short almost. You know, you don't get enough chances. You don't get enough opportunities. And you're really, you know, you don't have the type of control that you typically have. So when you have a, a, a defensive philosophy that plays to that, you know, if you're, if you're playing a ball control type offense, run the ball, um, control the clock, uh, you want to have a defense that's going to try and create turnovers to get the ball back to your offense. It's going to try to create some chaos to get the ball back to your offense. Uh, when you look at the most successful teams that Coach Johnson's had, uh, it, it's the teams that, that have high turnover margins. You know, you look at 08, 09, 2014 being the ones that stand out. So that's not, that's not a coincidence. When you have a team with an offense that's going to be as strong as Georgia Tech's, that's going to control the ball as much, run as much off the clock, you've got to have a defense that creates turnovers and really creates havoc. And if you give up a big play every now and again, then you'll take that. But, but as, uh, I'm excited to see what Nate Woody's going to do. All right, well, Roddy, we look forward to seeing you, whether it's uh, around campus on a game day or even later on uh, this season and even beyond. But thanks again for your time, ladies and gentlemen. Roddy Jones joining us, uh, previewing the Yellow Jackets. We've got a lot in store. I hope you stick with us here on From the Flats. Roddy Jones into the boundary at the left side. Here's Washington sprinting right. Tevin going to try and throw. Does. Open his toe. Ten. Five. And Kevin Cone scores the touchdown. And Kevin Cohen joins us now. Thrilled to have Kevin on the air as we've got uh, Wes Durham with his play-by-play call just moments ago. And, Kevin, let's now start on what your life is today, the Assistant Director of Football Operations. What do you do in that role? Of course. So I, I handle all kind of the back-end logistics for the football team, whether that be meals, travel, and that includes flight, bus, hotel, just the all type of, you know, all, all encompassing for the athletes scheduling and uh, just try to make everything as smooth as possible for the team. And we'll talk on the field here in a moment, but I do want to discuss your time after Georgia Tech. You spent five years in the NFL, mostly with the Falcons. And then can you kind of walk us through after, you know, the, the air came out of the football, if you will, as it does for everybody, you know, some, some earlier than others, but you know, what was it like, you know, knowing that, you know, your playing career, that chapter had closed and then trying to figure out, all right, what do I want to do uh, now that I'm no longer playing football? Yeah, so I got done playing in 2016. And like a majority of players, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. So I kind of waited out the preseason and I didn't get any calls. So I decided no matter what, if, if any type of opportunity arises, I'm done. I want to move forward with my life with my wife. I want to settle some roots down in Atlanta. 
and I just happened to stumble upon a mechanical engineering opportunity that arose with a local engineering firm that was called Morrison Hirschfield. That kind of that role there was I was just kind of falling back on my uh, college degree, and it was a lot of fun. It was definitely different, and I was in that job for four months, and then. It's not every day that you know your dream job reaches out to you and asks you if you want to if you want to be a part of it. So I I wanted to get back into sports. I, that's just what I've known and loved. And to be back at at Georgia Tech, it, it's really the complete package. And I jumped on it. So back up just a moment. How much time passed between committing to your football retirement and landing the job working with the data centers? So once I determined. I was no longer going to play anymore. I was, you know, moving on to the next phase. Then I really started, you know, ramping up the reaching out to people, resumes, job applications. And then I'd, I'd say from the moment I decided I was going to stop playing to when I got the job was probably about a month. So you, you went from playing professional football to working as a, as a full-time mechanical engineer in about 30 days. Roughly. It was, it was... <laughs> it, it's not it's not always that quick, but I was fortunate and it was some it's all about timing and uh it just happened to work out for me the the timing worked out right and uh yeah, I was able to find a position well i I bet that didn't give you a whole lot of time to refresh your memory on your engineering concepts, did it? No, it definitely didn't do that uh, I hit the ground running I had to learn quick, remember quick, I should say <laughs> and hard to believe that journey uh, to Georgia Tech. Ten years ago, back in 2008, got on campus as a transfer from Shorter. And what are some of your fondest memories? I'm sure there are a lot between, you know, the upset of Virginia Tech, a top five team on October of 2009, you know, winning the ACC championship. Uh, what, what sticks out to you? Do you have a favorite moment? Definitely thankful to be able to play in a bunch of big time games. And, and then when we did upset Virginia Tech, uh, they were ranked top five and we, we upset them at home. I actually wasn't even playing. I had. I broke an ankle at the time, but the atmosphere and the the energy. I think what stands out to me is in the in the fourth quarter when it when the game's coming down to the wire and you just look. I'm not even playing, but I'm just looking at my teammates, looking at Coach Johnson, looking at everyone on our sideline, and it's just this, you know, this calmness, this this assurance, this confidence that that we're going to win this thing, and it, and it just kind of. It stands out to you. You remember it. You don't. You can't put a finger on it, but it just. You can feel it, and it was. It was awesome. Kevin, again, we look forward to talking to you soon, and uh, good luck here in this first week. And when we come back, we'll have uh, Andy Demetra and Sean Bedford joining us, previewing Alcorn State, Week One for Georgia Tech football here in 2018. We're now joined by. All ACC center Sean Bedford and the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetra. They'll be giving you the call of the game on the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network. I want to start it as broadly as possible. What do you expect from Georgia Tech football this year? Sean, let's start with you. Well, I expect much more consistent play. That was one thing that really played the Jackets early on was, was in, an inability throughout the course of the game to maintain a constant level of uh, consistent high play. And I think we really saw that towards the end of a couple of games last year where it seemed like they, they managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, I think with the amount of experience this team has coming back and the established playmakers, uh, not only in the backfield, but especially along the offensive line, uh, they really are going to be primed to make some things happen on the ground. And I think they're going to be able to 
with an additional year under their belt, and I think this is particularly true for Taquan Marshall, um, having that additional experience is going to help them finish out those games and continue to, to play more consistently instead of having those ups and downs and really taking everybody on a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, Sean. I, I I want to see this team have better closes to halves, first and second, and that's something that Paul and I talked about on the Colin show. Uh, you know, he said that he's had some philosophical discussions with Nate Woody, and he's got an assurance that in those final two minutes of a half, if Georgia Tech is on defense, that they're not going to play conservatively. They're not going to come out in their base defense um, and expect to to have the results they want. So I, I I'd like to see that tone set right away in week one and you know i'd also like to see more negative disruptive plays that's an area where georgia tech has lagged in recent seasons but talking with enough of the defensive players they seem really fired up to fly around on this new three four scheme Uh, i'd love to see them get in the backfield collapse the pocket make it a long day for noah johnson the all-corn state quarterback and so much of week one regardless of the caliber of opponent is just setting that right tone where you feel really good heading into week two. And if Georgia Tech on the defensive side can get some takeaways, which I think goes hand in hand with being more disruptive and forcing negative plays up front, uh, it'll leave everybody uh, pretty encouraged heading out of Bobby Dodd Stadium on Saturday. When it comes to the negative plays, is there an individual you guys think in the you know on the defensive line or in that now four-man linebacking core that may make more of those plays than others or you guys like as, as someone who can create that type of havoc? Well, I think we're going to find out a lot about that on Saturday. Uh, you know, Victor Alexander is going to be making a change in position to that Jack linebacker spot, and I think that's going to really put him in position to take on sort of the the old James Harrison role that you would see in um, in the Steelers' 3-4 defenses from a couple of years back, where he's going to be getting after the quarterback, and that's going to be his number one job. So I think that's going to be an interesting um, thing to watch for this week is to see how Vic slides into that role Aside from that, I think this defensive front really fits the skill set of someone like Desmond Branch a lot more than the previous set. Uh, he's always been one of those tweener types in terms of his body and frame. And I think that that 3-4 defensive end, 5 or 4 technique is going to be a really good fit for him. Uh, I think he's going to do much better in those sort of situations where he can slant um, and isn't necessarily having to take up all that space in the middle. I think this is going to be a, a really good system for him. And let's not forget Desmond Branch. He came to Georgia Tech as a defensive end. Then he moved to defensive tackle last season. So I think he's playing a position, albeit not in the scheme he anticipated, but he's playing a position on the edge there that he's a little more comfortable with. Uh, I'm with you, Sean. I'm, I'd love to see Desmond Branch uh, get more than one sack, which is what he had last year versus Miami. And, and I think this would really suit his skill set. Well, guys, we're closing in on toe meeting leather Saturday afternoon. Before we go, I, I want to pose this question. We're not in the business of picking the games or, or picking the seasons, the final records, or anything like that. But I'm curious, if Georgia Tech goes on to, let's say, win the Coastal Division, what has happened? What's, what's the headline uh, for this Yellow Jacket team in 2018 to have that type of success? Well, I'll give you two points. I think offensively, it means one of the wide receivers has stepped up. And that's going to be one of the things I'm really keeping an eye out on this coming weekend is who is going to replace Ricky June as that go-to receiver. You know, out of that group of of um, Brad Stewart, Jalen Camp, and, and keep an eye on Malachi uh, Carter, the true freshman who's really made a name for himself in camp. So I think offensively, if you can establish somebody who's that deep play or that deep ball threat that can stretch the defense and keep the safeties from creeping up, 
that will go a long way towards ensuring that Tech has success on offense. And defensively, I think it means you generated turnovers, which is something that Nate Woody's defenses have been exceptionally good at during his time at, at Appalachian State. Um, and I think when you look back over the last couple of years when Tech has really been successful, it's been when they've generated a lot of turnovers. Uh, for me, I want to see better red zone defense. Last year, Georgia Tech was last of the nation in red zone score percentage. They allowed opponents, once they got inside the red zone, to score 36 of 37 times, either through field goals or touchdowns. Um, some of that is luck. You have to hope for a shank from uh, an opposing field goal kicker on a chip shot field goal. But, you know, I, I would love to see them tighten that up. And you know, again, in spite of the travails that this defense had last year, they were still 12th nationally in third down defense. But that's only one part of the equation. More disruptive plays, more field flipping takeaways, and do so on a bit more of a consistent basis. And I think once you get those in your system, and maybe it'll start on Saturday, I think it feeds this belief that, yeah, we can ball hawk and we can really create some havoc which has been erratic, I think, the last couple of years out of this Georgia Tech defense. And and how well can that defensive backfield grow up? Uh, we know Georgia Tech's replacing all five of its starters, if you include the nickelback. So there will be some young guys who are light on in-game experience who will have to get very comfortable very quickly and in a league that can skew to the pass as much as the ACC. Uh, if those guys grow up and mature in this Nate Woody scheme the way I think they're capable of, then you might see this Georgia Tech team realize its full potential. Andy said one word that I think is really going to be critical to that defensive success this year, and that's havoc. Uh, and, and generating havoc plays, plays behind the line of scrimmage, whether or not they actually result in, in tackles for loss or sacks or pressure. Um, what's really important is you're getting in there and you're forcing the offense to get outside of its comfort zone, kind of play on the margins of its plays. And it's going to force those quarterbacks into some bad decisions, which is going to provide a lot of relief for that inexperienced secondary. Uh, when you have a, ba a defensive backfield that maybe doesn't have a lot of games under its belt, one of the best things you can do is give them a pass rush. And when you can do that, typically that's going to give them a chance to make some plays, to defend some passes, and again, to generate some turnovers. And you know what, Sean, just to, to bookend that point, one thing that can help uh, a young, inexperienced defensive backfield grow up is when you have some veterans up front who have been in the trenches and through the wars. And this is the first time since 1989 every starter on Georgia Tech's defensive line is a senior. On top of that, you got the Jack linebacker, Victor Alexander. He's a senior. Brant Mitchell, whom Paul Johnson has said numerous times, will be a great fit in this system. He's a senior. David Curry, other first-team inside linebacker. Redshirt Jr., you got some salty vents up front. And if they can maybe carry that load early and create that havoc, would allow that back four to get comfortable, and it'll all meld together as the season goes on. Well, guys, then we've got some salty vets in the booth as well, and, and you have my word, I will try and create as much havoc as I can uh, down on the sidelines, weather permitting, of course. Wiley, we fully expect that we wouldn't have hired you if we didn't expect it. <laughs> He's good. a playmaker. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully away, away from the ball. Uh, Sean, Andy, thanks again for your time, and uh, look forward to hearing you guys in action uh, Saturday morning into the afternoon as Georgia Tech opens up the 2018 season. This wraps up our first edition of the From the Flats podcast. Up next, Toe Meets Leather at 12.30 p.m. in Atlanta, Georgia Tech and Alcorn State. Coverage begins at 10.30 a.m. on the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network. You've been listening to the From the Flats podcast brought to you by AT&T. 
your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Be sure to tune into the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network on game day for live coverage and subscribe to this channel to get the latest news on the Yellow Jackets.